Hi, this is Adrienne Barbeau. Just call me Billy. Everyone does. And you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil and i'm joined by actor and comedian from mad tv and ap bio and from what i understand jurassic park enthusiast lyric lewis how are you doing yes great and thank you for including jurassic park enthusiast because <laughs> yeah i hear it's a true fact. so let's start off with jurassic park what is it about jurassic park that uh makes you such a fan you know what i think that jurassic park especially one came out I don't know why at a time that I was so impressionable with like film and TV and movies that I knew that dinosaurs were, dinosaurs were extinct. But for some reason, I mean, Spielberg, as we all know, did a great job with directing and like the puppetry just so, was so good that I believed it so much that that movie was the movie that I was like, oh, I have to be an actor because I was like, it all just looks so real. And so it, it just did it for me just with one movie, which was, insane but yeah that's why i love it it made it it made me believe and make believe mm-hmm. i agree because uh, um when i went to see the first one especially like you said it was one of the few movies where you felt uh it was like awe-inspiring like you know they had like a childlike feel about it because everything was so big and and you know and you knew dinosaurs were real it's at one point and then you see them on the screen and uh there was there's something magical about it. and and the score and everything about it 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 felt uh it felt epic. I mean the score is amazing. Like mm-hmm. Yes. No. Oh, yeah, Jurassic yeah. Park yeah. is definitely I, a favorite of all time. All right. Uh years ago I interviewed the cinematographer of Jurassic Park Dean Cundy. It was a very cool them on the show. Yeah, yeah. He's done all kinds of other things, but we talked about Jurassic Park and the original Halloween and all sorts of things. Oh my God. He did the original Halloween. I mean, okay. So he's yeah. a, me as a horror movie fan. I'm a fan mm-hmm. of his now, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand you also named your dog after uh, a character in Jurassic Park. Yes. I named my dog, Dr. Alan Grant after Sam Neill's character because he, I don't know why it was either between that or Dr. Ian Malcolm, but uh-huh. I just felt like Dr. Alan Grant, I don't know. I feel like I really, I really loved him in the movie. I know that he was like not a fan of kids and like all uh-huh. these things and gruff, but he weirdly, I don't know. Like, I feel like because he had like a full circle, not a full circle, but like really made a change in the movie that I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm going to name my dog after this great <laughs> man in a great movie. So yeah, I love Samuel in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. At first, I thought you were going, he wasn't a fan of kids, and that's why I liked him. I 
I was like, that's an odd reason. But I, I see where you want to. Yeah. But I'm like, he hates so kids, I, and so do I. Like, no. It's like, <laughs> so uh, how did you get involved in AP Bio? Well, AP Bio came because after Matt TV um, was great and then ended, and then, like, I literally just, like, auditioned for AP Bio, and I um, went in for, like, the producer session for Mix and Match, and I met Michael Bryan there and Andrew Singer and um, as soon as I went in, I read with Mary Stone, who plays Mary on the show. But me and her instantly just had, like, this, like, great connection and, like, high-fived in our audition. And just, like, it was so fun right away that I told my reps, like, I was like, oh, my God, this feels like my show. And it was super early. But literally, I just, like, happened to audition and just was, like, it was so well written on the page that mm-hmm. um, I went in and everything just kind of, like, weirdly easily fell into place in almost like a scary way that I was like, this is too good to be true. But then it was just uh-huh. like, oh no, you all get along. Me and Mary love each other. I met Jean a little while later and we also loved each other. And I was just like, why do I love all these people so easily? But like, it just was, I think the perfect kind of storm where everyone was at the right place at the right time. And yeah, but yeah, it just happened to be just a pilot audition that turned into as I would like to say, comedy gold. <laughs> right. Excuse so what's my it like to work? No, that's perfect. What's it like to work with a cast of, of because there's so many fellow uh, funny people on the show, so I assume it must be a good time to work with all of them. You know what? It's, I would say it's amazing, but I feel like that's cliche. It's, it's almost like going back to comedy school. Like, we all are so funny in our own right between like Paula Pell and Pat and Glenn and Mary and Jean, like even Michael Bryan, like and our guest stars, like everyone is so funny, but everyone is so funny in a slightly different way that I take something from everyone. And we all like learn and take from each other that it really, whenever we go on set and go to work, it truly is like comedy school. Like we're learning something and it's, it's like one of the, I feel so lucky to, be on that set because I feel like I'm being challenged in a fun way, but also I'm being able to spitball and kind of like shoot my shit with some of the fastest minds in comedy, which just makes me feel like, especially like someone like Pat Oswalt that I'm like, he's incredible. And it's like punching up Mm -hmm. our jokes. So like when we improvise in scenes and he's like, Oh, don't forget you said that because it was so funny. It's like someone like that to just be like, watching all the time and go oh lyric remember like you said this and then like that was great and it's just like how did i get so lucky like it's it feels truly like um it, it is a blessing but it's like i just feel very lucky to be surrounded by greatness on every level mm-hmm. when you mentioned that i think sometimes people think if you improv on set or ad lib that it just happens in that one take but like you were saying uh, can you kind of explain that how the how that comes about like you might say different things and then he's, you know, he says, well, remember to use this line when, when we actually film it or like, so how does that work? Oh yeah. So Michael Bryan, who's our creator is second city Chicago. And so I think that because he's from an improv and sketch background anyway, and so are Mary and Jean and myself, like I'm a, I'm uh, the lone groundling as I tell people mm-hmm. on the show, because Mary and Jean are also both second city Chicago. Um, but patents stand up and Glenn obviously has always sunny but it's like we do maybe one or two takes, quote unquote, clean, where it's just like as written. And then literally after that, for like three more takes, Mike is like, do whatever you want. And like, granted, we stay within the parameters of like, 
the improv and like the um mm-hmm. the script, but because he's an improviser, he's totally fine and okay with us like within the character character parameters, obviously, but just like really doing whatever we want. And like a lot of our improvised stuff ends up being in the show because like it's still from the character point of view, but it's just us like playing with each other. It's us like ribbing, you know, on Durbin and Jack and like, you know, all these things that it just is, you know, it all looks familial and it looks like we're having fun, which we are. But yeah, Mike is totally open to us improvising a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So are you ever surprised when you see the finished show and, and uh, find out which like uh, lines were used? Yes, I am actually, because some stuff I feel like we say is very wild. <laughs> and right. I'm like, NBC will never keep this. And then we watch the show and we're like, oh, they did. <laughs> but which, you know, I think is also funny. I think it's to his credit that like they trust him. They, you know, like in the, you know, our executives and our people trust the show so much in the tone and with the audience like that they leave some of the wildest kind of stuff in but i love to see what they leave in and just like our even our reactions like when we're not even talking but a lot of i feel like i like to say i do good face work and um i feel like a lot of my really good face work ends up in episodes that i don't even realize the camera is on me (laughs) and it's just me (laughs) reacting in the best way to everyone else which is which is fun and i'm just like oh my god i was you know it's like a genuine reaction so yeah it's mm-hmm. a great surprise to see what makes it in the episode yeah when you have a show like that, that do the um so you have like both uh student the the actors who play the students and then actors who play the teachers do uh like offset do you all interact or do like the student actors kind of their own group and the, the teacher actors their own group I mean, you know what? It's both. I mean, the students definitely, because we shoot on, like, very different days. Um, so, like, the teachers, oh. we're normally all shooting on, like, the same day together. We'll see the students mm-hmm. in passing, but, like, we rarely, except for what people see on TV, shoot with them, where the students are there, like, most days of the week all together. So, we are, like, kind of our own little cliques, but, however, we definitely co-mix coexist and we enjoy each other so much like the students are also great they're funny and you know because they're all like in real life grown we can all like we go out you know you know and that's the thing it's like we you know it's like on tv they're high school kids but it's like in real life they're like grown ass humans Mm -hmm. so we all go out we go for drinks we like truly kick it and they're great and so like it's and it's also so delightful to, to both sides when we do get to do scenes together because we it rarely happens that we truly enjoy it. But yeah, so a little bit of both. We're all we have our mm-hmm. own things. Me and the teachers, we like have happy hours together. We do like dinners together. We cook for each other, each other. <laughs> like yeah, it's definitely a yeah. We all love on each other hard outside of work as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing the show does ever bring back uh, good or bad memories of uh, high school for yourself? It brings. It brings back the best ones. You know what? I feel like I I loved high school, and I feel like I wasn't even like a – I wouldn't say I was like an overpopular kid in high school or like overly cool at all. But like doing the show reminds me of just like the awkwardness of high school, and I feel like that's what high school is all about. Like high school is about the, you know, the awkward kids, but that are cool that you don't realize they're cool in high school. And, 
it's so fun to just watch. Like, even I sat, smells like a high school witch sounds gross. <laughs> but <laughs> it smells like it, which is just so... <laughs> but it's just so... It's so dope, but I feel like it was... Like, I... It reminds me of the best part where... It was just, it was fun, and we were all awkward and weird. None of us knew what we were doing. None of us knew our bodies. None of us knew how to talk to each other, but it was just great. So, yeah, it reminds me of the best part of the high school. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the groundlings. So um, how, do you, how do you get into the groundlings, and what interested you about you know, improv comedy? Oh, wow. Well, what interested me about improv was, you know, I think I grew up, like a lot of people watching like in living color and Saturday night live. And I think I was always theatrical as a kid. And so for me, I was like, I don't know. Like I, I started with that. And so that I was like, I really wanted to do SNL or living color or Mad TV. Like I, I felt like they were the perfect blend of theater and TV. And because I love them both, like I think they both are amazing. And I was like, I want to do a show like that so I can perform for a live audience but still be taped into the, the nation. Like, I want everyone to see me, but I want to be in an intimate uh-huh. setting for a live audience. Uh-huh. And the Groundlings came into play because um, I went to Syracuse for theater, so I got my BFA there. And um, right away, I think I kind of knew that I really wanted to do sketch comedy and improv. And, you know, I just felt like I just wanted to, like, I really enjoyed making people laugh and entertaining. And so I started researching people that I admired. So we came across people like Jennifer Coolidge, T- uh, Sherry O'Terry, Will Ferrell, like um, Chris Tan, like people like that, that I was like, oh, I am in, like Phil Lamar. Like I was like, like I loved where their careers were. And, and later came Kristen Wiig. But it was like, I love where their careers were. And I was just like, I wanted to have the comedy muscle like they had. Because to me, they had something a little bit different and more special than a lot of other people. And so I just happened to like legit Google back in the baby days of Google and um, through just the process of elimination, I just was like, oh, they all went to this place called the Groundlings, which I had no concept of the Groundlings. I had no idea mm-hmm. what it was. Like I said, I was in upstate New York and I was just like, what is this theater in LA? The shitty theater in LA There's only one of them. Like I was like, oh my God, Second City is everywhere and you can see it everywhere. And the Groundlings is one place. Like I just really was like, what are they talking about? But oh. I did my research and I literally just took a chance that I was tired of the thunder snow in upstate New York. And I was like, I just wanted a change of climate and, you know, mm-hmm. place. And so I came to LA and I visited the theater and like, you know, we have our alums and, you know, our past show pictures on the walls. And I saw everyone who had came through the theater and I was like, Oh, I just felt like I needed to study there and mm-hmm. so that was it and i auditioned and it took me eight years to get into the main company which was oh wow oh yeah like it was great it was like because there was like now that it doesn't exist as much but when i was coming to the school it was like the wait list for certain levels were like three years long and two years long and mm-hmm. it was crazy but eight years later got into the main company and here we are today yeah so how would you say that um, that improv, uh, besides comedy itself, how has it helped you in other ways, like uh, with your acting or, or, or anything, really? Well, especially improv, I think it's even great for people who want to do, like, public speaking, because it really mm-hmm. keeps you, I think, spontaneous and on your toes and keeps you out of your head. And so for me, with even other auditions, whether it be, like, dramas or, like, dramedies where... 
I'm able to look at a script and play with it in a way that like, I don't know why, but I just feel like I'm not scared of it. Like I'm not intimidated by it because I'm just like, I know the character. I know their intention. I know what they want. And because of my improv background, I'm free to kind of play within this group versus feeling like I'm beholden to the words that are on the page. That you know what I mean? And it's very free. Mm-hmm. That's um <clears throat> used to be. Well, I guess it still is a, a thing that people mention sometimes that that uh you know w- women aren't funny or they can't be funny. Or whatever. Uh, did you come? Uh, did that ever? Was that ever a thing for you when you were trying to get into comedy? And is is that different now? Has it changed uh, over the last few years? Yes. No, was the thing that like affected me? Yeah. It was. I think, like, I mean, legitimately, and I was going to say, I had a guy at, like, a fucking mixer, like, of all places that, like, I didn't even know him, had the audacity to be like, and I think it's a thing with women that can't be funny. And I don't even say this to be like facetious or whatever, but it's like, I feel like it's also this weird double standard that like attractive women can't be funny. And right. to me, I, I think it's, I think it's ugly because it's, it's like, you don't have any experience. You don't know what it's like, where it's like, all because I'm cute today, bitch, don't sleep for me to think I wasn't an <laughs> ugly duckling yesterday, girl. Girl, yesterday I was the ugliest duckling that you would have seen, girl. Like, it's been a long road. And I think that's the assumption that's like, you're cute, so you don't, you know, have an experience. But I had this guy tell me, and he was like, oh, no one will ever take you serious because you're too cute. And I was just like, and I was so offended because, A, I didn't feel like that. But I was also like, you don't know, like, I feel like a lot of comedy comes from pain, unfortunately. But I, and I think it comes from, like, struggle. Like, I think a lot of, comed- uh, like, some of the funniest comedians are, like, very troubled and, like, you know what I mean? Like we have a lot of mm-hmm. back shit to us that the only thing we have left is to <clears> laugh <throat> at our pain. And so yeah. I think it helps that, you cope with it helps you cope with that. It helps you. Yeah. I think that regardless of um we get rap because it's this thing of like, you know, oh well, you're too hot, you're too this, you don't look like someone who's gone through anything. And I think that I'm so I feel fortunate for women like Jennifer Coolidge or like Sheryl Terry, even like uh, Sarah Silverman or Lisa Lampanelli, you know, or like Tina Fey, women that have changed the landscape or that have gone, no, like we can look like whatever we look like and still have a story to tell or still have a comedic point of view or still be fucking funny. And, you know, it's beyond like what you think because you can't step outside of your box. So but yeah, that was definitely a thing that, like I said, I had a man literally say to me, he was like, oh, you'll never be taken serious because you're little and you're cute. So, like, why are you funny? Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is that a discredit to what I have to say? Yeah. But he was just like, well, you're a girl. Has that changed over time? Oh, I think so. I think that now, you know, people are just seeing that and I know it's like very cliche, but I think it really is true to saying that there's more than meets the eye. And I think that especially when it comes to comedy, comedy isn't some, it doesn't look one way. It isn't one voice. It isn't one part of town. It isn't like one socioeconomic class. It's everyone. And so I think that over time we are getting to see, even from men, like, but just from everyone, different ethnicities, different types of people that look different but are saying shit out of their mouth that you'd be like, what? But it's because 
you know, comedy, I feel like used to be like this frat club and it's not anymore. And it's, mm-hmm. I feel like becoming wide open. And I think for the better that we're getting more voices mm-hmm. and we're getting more point of views. We're getting more faces in there that are bringing more stories to light that I think need to be told because it's truly reflective of the time and the place that, you know what I mean? Like we live in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when you were growing up, was there any certain comedian uh, that made you want to get into comedy? You know what? I, I'm trying to think because I feel like there had to have been. I think it was like, and this, this came later in life for me because, like I said, I grew up watching like um, Mad TV and then Living Color and all of that early on. But I think that the person that really did it for me was Bernie Mac. Okay. Because his, and like, I don't do stand up, but his stand up was just some of the rawest, but like, just so honest that really made me, him and Regina Hall. So I will say too. Mm-hmm. Regina Hall from Scary Movie did it for me a thousand times over. Like, she made me feel like, especially as a black woman, she was funny in a way that I feel like I, we hadn't seen on film. Like, truly no vanity. She was the butt of the joke. Like, in a way that I was like, oh, I'm that girl. Like, I was like, I'm the stupid one. Like, I'm not stupid in a bad way, but I was like, I'm the goofy one. Like, I was like, I don't want to be the hot one. I want to be the person that doesn't get it. Like, I was like, I want to be the one that's like fighting dragons and skeletons. So Regina Hall did it for me in more ways than one because she, I feel like, and the Wayans brothers, I will give them credit for that too, brought something to the screen that we hadn't seen. But also, yeah, truly Bernie Mac, like the way he told stories just was so funny and so raw. And I feel like humanized people that had never been humanized in the public before. Like he made kids (laughs) seem like little pieces of shit and like (laughs) grandparents seem like great. And I think that in comedy, he said things and of course other comedians have as well. But I think that when I was young, he was one of the people that I saw that said things in a way that he was truly fearless and unapologetic and was a voice for things that you didn't want to say, but that we mm-hmm. were all thinking. So, mm-hmm. so since you, uh, <clears throat> you know, you were watching Mad TV. <clears throat> what was it like when you found out? You know, you, you're going to be on the new Mad TV. It was surreal. Like when I found out they were rebooting it, I literally took a, a screenshot of the Deadline article. Emailed my team and was like, I have to be in this. And they were like, great girl, we'll like try to figure it out. And I was like, no, because it was a little kismet for me. Like, I feel like Mad TV was always like the bad big brother of SNL where they got to kind of do a little bit more and be a little bit more risque than SNL. And so when I went in for all the auditions, even that process was surreal. The fact that, every email was like called back from mad TV. And I was like, what are you talking about? But once I knew that I booked mad TV, the revival, it just felt crazy. It felt crazy. And I even told myself then, even if it was for one season or whatever, I was like to just be a part of this family at any point in time is insane in the best way because they're icons. They're incredible. Like I just did a show at Mike McDonald last night and he's amazing. And so it's like to be, in the roster and be like, oh, yeah, I did the same show that Mike McDonald, Mo Collins, Will Sasso, you know, Phil Lamar, you know, Alex Borenstein, all these people did. It's like, how can you say that and not be like, I'm probably pretty cool to someone. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's yeah. That's pretty awesome. So, um, I also read that you're uh, into true crime. So, what, what's the appeal there? Oh, okay. So, it, this is a deep <laughs> river. So, put uh-huh. on your life vest, okay? So, I think true crime came because if I wasn't an actor, I used to want to be a forensic scientist. Yeah. So, put that out in the streets. But, um, yeah, so I grew up weirdly also watching, like, Rescue 911. If you remember that show that William Shatner yeah. hosted. <laughs> Uh-huh. Shout out to William Shatner. Love Rescue 911. But I was always like, I love CSI, only Las Vegas. Sorry for Miami and New York, the other one. But like, I love CSI. I love like forensic files. Like, I love, to me, um, forensic science and true crime is like a puzzle you work backwards from. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I loved puzzles. So, like, it always interested me to be like, how do we start with blood splatter, a couple casings, a body, you know what I'm saying, a blood pool, and like, a sandwich and get to who murdered these people. And I thought it was fascinating. <laughs> so to me now with true crime, all these podcasts and these shows, it's like, it, I can't even explain to you the joy I get watching these shows and listening and being like, I know who killed him. <laughs> and going through the journey with these detectives and prosecutors and the DAs and everybody from the town trying to figure out the mysteries. Like it's fascinating to me. And I also think mm-hmm. that it's like, I low-key feel like I kind of want to be, like, a DA and try to solve all these, like, all the cold case files, uh-huh. which I, there's not enough time in the world, but <laughs> I want to solve all these crimes and, like, help these families, but, yeah, I think it's fascinating how far we've come with technology and DNA, and I just think it's so, like, I like everything about the Golden State Killer, like, I know about serial killers, I know about them all, I love every facet of it. Yeah. Have it's you ever been to the museum of... Runs have you ever been to the Museum of Death in Hollywood? Speaking of serial You know what? Killers? Weirdly, I have not. Uh-huh. I don't know why. I've, yeah. I've driven past it, obviously, a million times. I'm always like, what's in there? I think because I don't know what it is. That it, like, yeah. weirds me. Like, I, if it was a museum of, like, serial killers, I would have went a million times. Because it's a museum of death, I'm like, what type of death? Like, I don't know what's <laughs> going to meet me when I go in there. <laughs> Yeah, no, when I was in I was in the area a few years ago for uh, the premiere of a movie, and uh, my friend and I rented an apartment on Hollywood Boulevard, and we uh, we went to the Museum of Death, and the first room is all about serial killers. It's very strange. Really, it's all it's all actual artwork from from like famous serial killers, and it's a very mm. it's a, it's very fascinating to look at. But it's very weird at the same time. Hmm. So it's I'm not for everybody. Check it out. I, I like. It. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was always curious, but I'm all and I'm always like really by myself when I remember that I haven't gone, and I'm like, you can't go to the Museum of Death by yourself, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Then that, you know, people just think that's sad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they'll think they'll think your artwork will be in there eventually. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> she's clearly a serial killer, and she's looking for a way to get ahead. Great. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There was like, there was like, like a uh, almost like a comic strip that was written by uh, the son of Sam, who talked to his dog. And it's, really, it, it's terrible, but it also it's terrible. To say it's funny, but it was like it was how to catch a fat woman, and he wrote like you learn with like a meatball sub and then take him to this place. And so at so I'm laughing at at part of me is laughing, but at the same time it's like, well, this is horrible because this guy actually did kill these people. But it was, oh my god, it's very bizarre. It's very strange. Definitely worth. Boo to the son of Sam. Boo, son of Sam. 
Yes, yes. Yeah. He's got little <laughs> smiley faces on the meatballs. It's very it's very Oh no. If, if you know if you didn't know he's a real guy, maybe you think it's funny, but then you think, Oh, this is a real killer, so it's it's There's a, a real person that like really enjoy this shit. Yeah. 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 Wow. It's it's not a place I'm for everybody, but uh I like this. I think as a true crime fan, I feel like I owe it to myself to go. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would check it out. Some of the other rooms, uh, not so much, but uh, I, I, I like the first room with all the serial killers. So, so uh, what do you have in the works? One of the works, um, I'm actually shooting um, for, um, right now for season four of Baskets. I have a recurring on there. So I'm back playing with Louis, Al- uh, Louis Anderson and Zach Galifianakis, who's, they are both great. So I'm shooting that right now. And um, watching my episodes of AP Bio as they air now, which is great and also terrifying because I hate to see myself on TV. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's like it. I'm teaching at the Groundlings and performing and just trying to stay busy until we go back to work, keeping it very light and playing very hard with my dog, Dr. Alan Grant. Yeah. So what's it like to have a recurring role? Because you're not, you know, on every episode. So you're not there all the time with everybody, but you're still back and forth. So uh, how is that experience different than a, than a show that you're, you know, a series regular on? And uh, do you still have like a good relationship with the people involved? Yeah. You know what? I think that with baskets is very unique because they're set. Everyone there is so nice that I think if you recur on the show, they're just so great that when you go to set there, it is like a little family where, um, everyone like knows that they, we all remember each other. So even if it's not by name, it's like, Hey, I saw you last year. And it's like very warm. So, I mean, it feels mm-hmm. a little different because obviously when you're on your own show, it's your turf. You know, I know exactly where to sit. I know I can go to my trailer. I know who I can play with or not. Whereas on a different show, even as a reoccurring, it's different. But like I said, for baskets, it's such a unique show where everyone is so great and just nice where you still feel at home where no one makes you feel out of place. And so, you know, it's a little, it's not, doesn't quite feel like AP bio, obviously, but it definitely is like, Oh, I'm good. So I feel like I can go there and be comfortable. And yeah, there are, they, everyone like Louis Anderson made me an almond milk shake last season (laughs) every day that I came because he was like, and no one else knew, and it's not their job, but he was like, Lyric's lactose intolerant, and he was like, so she needs almonds. He was like, mm. make her wine. So much. But it's little stuff like that that yeah. I told him once, the uh-huh. season before that, and he remembered and was like, no, Lyric can't have milk. But it's little stuff like that that, mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh, thank you. And he was just like, yeah, you can't have milk, duh. But I was like, it's not a duh to so many, you know, like so many other sets, they wouldn't pocket like they would just be like whatever but for him he was like yeah. i can't have milk either so i remember mm-hmm. yeah so am i and actually uh i'm trying for the first time uh, walnut milk today in my tea which uh, is, is is pretty good too do you like oat milk <laughs> i've um i've not tried the oat milk i did have uh like the plant-based milk it was pretty good but i think i like the, the all the, the almond milk very the good or is macadamia is delicious. Mm. Do you like macadamia nut cookies? Yes, yeah. Oh, well then my friend. 
you realize how sweet the macadamia nut naturally is, my friend? The macadamia nut right. milk is, that's, no. If you can get that milk, you're good. My friend, I'll be in the outlook. <laughs> Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, macadamia nut milk. Will be <laughs> Excellent. So uh, where can people, uh, where can people follow Lyric Lewis uh, on, on the internet to uh, find out what you're up to? Yes. What kind of, what well, kind of milk you're trying to yeah. They can see what kind of milks I'm drinking. They can see what kind of coffees I'm drinking on Instagram. I'm Lyric D. Lewis. Um, I'm the only Lyric D. Lewis, so they can find me there. And please let them know I'm very active with my Instagram stories, and I do talk back in messages. I enjoy them. So, like, Instagram is all of our friends because I'm so really into Instagram. Like, I'm into it. Um, on Twitter, I'm Lyric said what? But with just lyrics that W-H-A-A-A, no T, three days, very fun. So that way, just like, what? <laughs> lyrics say what? Um, that's the Twitter, but Instagram is the quickest way to find me. And I mean, they're both a quick, obviously, don't know that, but Instagram is the quickest response and the more um, interactive because, like I said, I'm doing stories all the time. I love talking about Naked and Afraid on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so that, very, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. And Lyric's a very cool name, by the way. I like the uh, Lyric Lewis. It's, it rolls off the tongue. Thank you so and much. It's, it's a neat name. You're welcome. That's why I say I like to say it's the only thing my parents did right was give me a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> no shade to my parents. Shout out to my parents. Hi, guys. I'm sure you guys are doing great. You guys did a great job. But that's one of the few things that they managed to nail. <laughs> Very good. Do I? Do? Yeah, they nailed it. It's good. It's good. I like it. So I appreciate coming on. It's, it's very fun to talk to you. And thank you so much for having me. And you have a great weekend. I look forward to hopefully coming back one day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You have a good weekend as well. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. You say all you need is love. I think there's more than that. You say love is all you. Ultimate test You say If we go 